All right. Hi, everybody. It's our CFB Talk 160. It is Tuesday night. This is when we like to talk to you about whatever you'd like to talk about in college football. Every week that passes, more interesting stories, and it just builds on itself, and it gets more exciting, and it gets more interesting. So I just fired off that tweet. We'd love to hear from you. You can just hit request from the Twitter app, and I'll be happy to let you up and hear what your thoughts are. My name is Bob Akhairi. I'm here with RCFB. This is our live Tuesday night conversation with you. Let's see. I see John wants to join us. I'll go ahead and let him up. You know, just there's always little stories here and there that I always like to bring up at some point or another. One of the more interesting ones is the, uh, the ongoing saga of Michael Oher and the couple that, that you know, he, he fostered, or at least that took care of him in high school, the blindside story. The judge said he's ending that conservatorship between him and uh, those parents. And then really what author Michael Lewis, who wrote the book, The Blind Side, as well as other good books, Moneyball. He just wrote that, I guess, a new book about um, the FDX guy, Sam Bankman-Fried. But, you know, he, he said something kind of alarming. He basically said, you know, what we're watching is a change of behavior. This, hap- this is what happens when football players get hit on the head. They run into problems with violence and aggression. That comment, honestly, you know, it seems really ridiculous. It seems a bit of a low blow. I mean, it's basically, I know it's it's been quoted on RCFB. Some folks are basically like, author Michael Lewis is saying, well, he didn't have a problem with anything before, so he must have CTE with something. And for those who've been kind of paying attention to that story over the, the blindside you know, saga, um, I think he's just tired of realizing that perhaps he wasn't getting the full benefits of the financial relationship that were being managed for him. And it should be noted that Lewis did take some financial advantage of that book and the relationship with the family for speaking tours and all of that. So it's, it's an ugly situation and I, it's just weird to see it. So that's one of those oddball stories that's been kind of floating in the news that I, I just wanted to mention. And, you know, and John, I know you're patient with me. So give me one second. The other interesting story on a, on a lighter note or a, a more relevant note, um, somehow, despite the big loss to Oregon the week before, USC Colorado was the highest rated game of the week again with 7.2 million viewers. Um, Georgia Auburn was 6.3, followed by Notre Dame Duke, Michigan Nebraska, LSU Ole Miss, all the usual suspects. Good news or bad news, depending on where you are. Um, Dion's about to find out what it's like to be in the Pac-12 because good luck finding the Arizona State game. It's going to be on the Pac-12 network, and most of us don't have it either. So <laughs> the, if, if the ratings somehow manage to break into the top 10 for a, a Pac-12 network game with Dion on it, then, oh, my goodness, just give him as much money as he wants because that would be a miracle. And, and of course, uh, a season too late for for the conference. You know, John, what's going on? You've been patient. What's on your mind? Hey, Bob, how are you doing tonight? Oop, I'm having some technical difficulties. John, do you mind just like dropping off and I'll let you right back up? Yep. Sorry about that. Sometimes I get technical difficulties on my end because I couldn't hear anything and I know he might very well be speaking and then that just sort of happens. But uh, we'll get him up here again. So as I'm kind of going through this, you know, as we were just talking about the ratings, um, it looks like, uh, you know, Travis Hunter with Colorado since Colorado was number one in the ratings this week and certainly won't be next week. Um, apparently, Travis Hunter is going to be out for two to three more weeks after getting injured during that Arizona State and Stanford game. So um, that's a shame. You know, hopefully he'll get back there because he was an exciting player to watch. You know, Adidas has signed a pair of Washington players, Michael Penix Jr., the superstar quarterback, and Rome Adunze, the great wide receiver they have, as their first Apparently, it's the first time Adidas has ever signed NIL athletes. It's very conspicuous because, of course, the next big game on the 14th is going to be against Nike U when the rivals Washington and Oregon square off against each other. So the fact that uh, it seems to be conspicuous that they signed their first two players against, uh, again, it's going to be a showcase with Nike. Hey, John, I know. Thank you for your patience. Go ahead and unmute. Sorry about that. That was a headache on my side. Hey, no, no problem. Oh, I can, can hear, hear you perfectly. And it could have been on my side, but all I know is I can hear you great now. Oh, man, that's all that matters now. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Not bad, man. I, uh, I just, <laughs> I just uh, moved and uh, had to be a part of a wedding within the same weeks. And uh, 
I can tell you what, I would never recommend anyone to do that in, in their lives. So that's a one, that's gonna be a one time deal. <laughs> Did you get a chance to see any college football this weekend, or was it just crushed no, by all of that? No, and that bad. All, all my hopes and dreams of seeing college football this weekend was completely crushed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my question for tonight, and uh, or you know, just for yourself, now that we're you know sort of weeks in, the you know amount of uh, undefeated teams are now you know really dwindling. You know, shout out to Harvard though. Um, I'm curious what you think outside of the top ten. What undefeated team you think has the best chance of making a run at a series uh, at a uh, at very at the very worst a New Year's a New, uh, New Year's Six Bowl or or maybe even a playoff spot? That's a good question. So I and and it's interesting because a playoff spot I think is a different group of teams than necessarily the ones who I would say might have a shot at a New Year's Six because with a New Year's Six. Again, no disrespect for the G5, but there's no Cincinnati-like candidate this year. I don't think anyone's expecting any of those programs to make a run for it. Now, in terms of a team that could surprise its way, because, I mean, there's teams that won't surprise their way. At this point, any of those three Big Ten teams, I mean, again, I'll set aside Maryland for a second because that's going to be one of the candidates. But, I mean, obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Texas, Oklahoma, whoever wins that one, Florida State, even to an extent, those those are teams I don't think anyone would be shocked. USC or whoever comes out of the Pac-12, obviously Washington and Oregon. Now, of the, the more unexpected teams, I mean, I kind of still put North Carolina in that category, and I don't know if they can make it through. I think that would be a shock. But at the same time, I'm thinking about who else I would pick. Louisville, I really don't know what to make of. I mean, I'm glad they broke into the rankings because they, they seem to have been putting up a decent – I mean, it gets mid-range and, and bad teams. They seem to be delivering – you know, another team that might be kind of an outlandish one, but is undefeated and, and towards the latter half of the season, we'll probably start talking about them more, is Miami. Uh, I don't know if they have enough to to win out, but they certainly, we're going to start to hear that that Miami kind of hype train, the same thing that USC gets or Texas gets. And obviously Texas is totally, I mean, I'm not saying Texas is not legit, but I'm saying historically it would be like once those teams get rolling, suddenly people would pay more attention. Um in two weeks, again, the 14th is a great. There's going to be good games this weekend, but the 14th has a couple of really interesting marquee matchups. And one of them is going to be Miami at North Carolina. We're going to assume Miami's going to take care of Georgia Tech because Bowling Green certainly had no problems with them. And we'll assume North Carolina can get to that game. But I mean, at that point, between, um, again, North Carolina faces Syracuse, but uh, between Miami and North Carolina, that would be an interesting kind of like no one saw them coming playoff run. But in terms, of uh of of just new year's six i mean that opens up to a lot of teams i'd be curious to see who rises up from g5 is it going to be is Tulane? i mean they have one loss it was to ole miss and gosh ole miss despite that alabama loss looked really good against lsu and it looks like they might be just kind of uh they might just be terrorizing teams in the sec and maybe not winning at all but being good enough to not be a bad loss for Tulane. But also you've got Air Force and Fresno State and Wyoming to an outside chance um, in the Mountain West. So any of those teams would also be interesting kind of New Year's Six categories. Because, again, Wyoming does have a loss, but it's to Texas. And they, they put up a decent enough fight against Texas. I mean, you know, and, and Texas each week seems to be improving. So those would be also some teams I would I would consider out there, you know. And Mizzou, you know, Mizzou is also out there, too. I, they're also mysterious because Mizzou and Texas, Kentucky, pardon me, are the two SEC teams where I want to still see them keep playing and still doing what they're doing. But gosh, Mizzou's fun to watch. Mizzou's great. I love that quarterback. You know, I love the, uh, you know, they, they are proof of how good their NIL rules have, have benefited them because they changed the NIL laws in the offseason in the state of Missouri to basically be the front of all NIL rules that benefits any in-state high school players going to an in-state university, which in FBS is just Mizzou. Um, and look at the recruits they've been pulling in. Look at the immediate effect it's been having. So they're also exciting to me. So it'll it'll be interesting to see who comes out. I mean, it's the, some of these teams I mentioned are going to lose. Some of them are probably going to fall apart. and We're going to laugh that they even got as far as they did. Um, but at this point, those are the interesting ones. Oh, and one more. I mean, I, before I get, you know, I, I'm not, I am not Pat McAfee. I have nothing against Wazoo. They are also out there too as a potential you know, outside playoff contender um, as well. And certainly we'll see where they take it. They're, they're the team that people want to love right now because of, of the entire Pac-2 
experience. You know, I see we have a couple of other folks who want to talk, but John, go ahead. I know you had something you wanted to follow up. Yeah. So I, well, the reason I asked is because I, uh, I, you know, I was looking at, you know, the list of the remaining undefeated teams, really wondering outside, you know, outside that top 10 who had the best chance of really, you know, jumping in and making a late, you know, a mid to late season run. I really do think it's between North Carolina and uh, Washington State. I mean, both of them have really played well in, in the non-conference and now in, in beginning their conference schedules as well. I'm really curious about how those both those teams finish up. They're, you know, both those teams are really talented. And, I, I of course, it's, it's pretty up – I think it's definitely uphill for Washington State. But uh, I, I, I'm really – I think, if you know, there's anyone that could really, I think, make that run from this point forward, I think it's one of those two teams. Yeah, if Wazoo wins out, they'll have road wins at Oregon and Washington, which would give them a, a very impressive resume that um, that would certainly put them there. And and of course, they they don't they miss USC, but who knows if USC is a paper tiger or not on de- defense? We we've all seen it. it is a complete basket of. I mean, and the scary thing is it's better, um, but. Uh, you know, the, again, we're, we're talk, starting from where we were before. Let's see here. I see we have a couple of other folks who want to join in. James, I saw you up first, so I'm going to add James Walker. Um, and we'll go from there. But, yeah, James, what's going on? What's on your mind? Thanks for your patience. Hey, yeah. Um, so I've been following Missouri football since uh, 1998. Uh, that was back in the day when I was a kid watching uh, going and going to Missouri football games. So I, uh, I've been watching this team pretty darn closely. And I will say that, you know, I, while I liked the Gary Pinkle teams in a lot of ways, the 2007 team kind of comes to oh, mind yeah. when it came, when it had all those tight ends and wide receivers and all that stuff. And they had a great quarterback I really do think in a lot of ways this team and the 2013 team kind of resemble a lot of that because they were just so clean and um, um, they were just so clean and on the offensive side of the ball that you could really kind of determine that they're just going to run a big play and they're just going to score continuously and Missouri, you know, for all the talk that Missouri's had, you know, played an easy schedule, I mean, you look at South Dakota, they beat North Dakota State. Memphis just beat Boise State. And then Kansas State, you know, they were just the Big 12 champs last year. And they brought a lot yeah, of Yeah, I, I agree with players. you on that. I just want to say that I, I want to say I completely agree. I think the, no one can point any fingers at, at you know, if, it's – Memphis, I agree. First of all, Memphis seems like, again, if, if, if their only losses to Mizzou and they went out, they're also a New Year's Six contender because there is no real clear path. I think it's at this point in the American, they are the strongest team with the strong. I'm probably them and Tulane. And actually, again, they're playing uh, they, after uh, on the 13th. So that's going to be a, a real decider in that conference. So I think that close game to Memphis at this point, I would put a I would put an I would just put a weight on that and see how they how they develop up. But I agree because yeah. K-State, that was a huge win. South Dakota, again, FCS, oh, okay, well, la-di-da. People can't point fingers on that. I mean, that's an, that, there's nothing wrong with that. I yeah. mean, as long as – I'm really excited to see against LSU because it, both offense and defense are going to have some real opportunities, especially if we see the LSU defense that showed up this last weekend. Um, well, but, I do think that you bring this up, but Missouri's defense – while their pass defense isn't the strongest, their run defense is still really, really good. I believe up until the last game, they were one of only three teams in college football, Oklahoma and Iowa, to not give up a rushing touchdown this year. And then we gave up that rushing touchdown early in the first quarter against Vanderbilt. But it's still a really great rushing defense. And I think they've given up 74.8 yards a game, which is incredibly insane. And the pass defense, even though it's not necessarily the strongest, I will say just gives up, you know, some yards towards the end. And it's kind of like they, you know, it's like the basketball team that just gives up a few three-pointers here and there to kind of make the, you know, score relatively closer than what it really was. So, you know, you just have that kind of, 
you know, kind of defense there, but it's in no way, shape, or form like LSU's defense, which gave gives up yeah. 429 yards a game. You know, and with that, with Brady Cook and Luther Burden on the other side of the ball, you just need to be a good defense. You don't have to be the best defense in the universe to get pretty far. Yeah. And I think that's something that's something I'm really curious to see how that performs against LSU. That's going to be a real opportunity to see if, where Mizzou is going to land this season. And yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see how these, how the, how they, how the defense can, uh, can hopefully force Ella if for the sake of the Tigers. Well, sorry, <laughs> for the sake of Mizzou, uh, force LSU to be a little more one dimensional on that offense. And that would be very interesting yeah. to see for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and move over to, uh, uh, Colts, uh, 20, 26 Super Bowl champions. That's always fun. Um, but yeah, love to hear from you. There's so much going on in college football. Again, you can always hit request. We'd like to hear from you. What's up, uh, Colts? Hey, what's up, man? How are we doing? Good. Okay. So let's say, hypothetically, Oklahoma goes in this Texas game, wins by 10, maybe more. Like a convincing win, which I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, I, I, if it's going to be, I, I would expect more. If they manage to pull it off, it would be close. But and I'm not saying Oklahoma couldn't do it, but, but yeah, but go ahead. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think we will win convincingly. But if we can, the Big Twelve with how trash, I feel like it's been this year. If if Oklahoma goes on to drop one of these later season games, which we are notorious for doing, it's like just going through the schedule. I see. BYU at, in Provo, that's a game I could see us losing. Jalen Daniels, when he's healthy, going up to Lawrence, that's a game I could see us dropping. One loss Oklahoma team with a with a good win over Texas, but dropping a game in the Big 12 with how down it's been this year. What, are, what do you think Oklahoma's chances of being able to make a, pl- a playoff, especially with how good the Pac-12s looked? Yeah. And, and just how deep some of these teams are. You know, I, I, I see where you're coming from there because you're right. It's, this has been a, an odd year because, for example, the SEC used to be the one that could rely on perhaps a second team getting in. And this season, actually, this season's so wide open, I don't know. It could happen, you know, with, with the questionable play from so many conferences. And, and, and other than the Pac-12, which could very well cannibalize itself, I am so hesitant they are strong they look strong but the pac-12 could just go back to being the pac-12 and everyone could lose at least one game or two against each other but you're right if oklahoma can well first of all i i again any win against texas doesn't have to be convincing is going to be convincing enough i mean texas right now seems to be you know i know they're ranked number three in the ap i mean the voters the 400 or i don't know how many voters we have in the rcfb poll put them as number one i mean there, there's the top four or top three teams seem to be pretty interchangeable with with throwing Michigan into that mix. But um, if they manage to unseat Texas, they're going to be in the pole position. They're going to have proven themselves. It doesn't mean if it's one point or ten points. They're, that'll be more than enough. But I can see that if especially – I mean, if Texas then wins out and OU drops another game, that, won't, that will probably help them a lot. But, again, looking at the teams that are left, you know, if – I mean, what's the strongest team left? You're right, BYU, at BYU. That one, you know, BYU seems to be of the newcomers the most ready to ready to play. They they were the ones that seem to be that at least have that physicality. Whereas Cincinnati and UCF, I mean, that Baylor game was just a brutal one to watch. Um, and Houston have been a little bit on the iffier side, but that game at BYU, and then oddly enough, if things keep swinging their way, West Virginia is surprisingly decent. They're actually one of those weird outliers that, I mean, I know that's been popular to kind of talk about that Neil Brown seems to have saved his own job. Um, and we'll still see. I mean, you can lose a few more games and, or lose many more games in this season, but I could see if OU were to do that somehow. I mean, Matt, I mean I'm not saying somehow. I mean, if they beat Texas and then manage to drop one with how weak some of the conferences are, and especially with kind of the letdown we've had um, among some of the Big 12 teams, that could hurt them. And then, oddly enough, if Texas wins out, continues to win out, and their only loss is to OU, I could see them bumping back up into that conversation too, just because so many they've, they've impressed so many people 
with how complete they are. And I don't know if that's entirely fair, and I hate saying it that way, but I could see that scenario with a one-loss Texas getting in if, if OU manages to beat Texas, but then drops one themselves. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I think at that point, it really just – I mean, it would be a rematch in the Big 12 championship. I just know from the years of watching OU, like – and I'm also putting the horse ahead of the wagon saying, oh, what if we beat Texas? Because that's obviously going to be way easier said than done. But it, it, if we can beat Texas, I just I, – I feel like it's almost confirmed that we are going to drop one of these games that we shouldn't. And I didn't even, I didn't even think about West Virginia. I haven't, I honestly, I haven't watched a West Virginia game this year, but uh, I'll have to – look and see how they've been. Yeah, doing. they've been quietly, they've been happily being in the background because they lost an opening game to Penn State. Penn State ended up being, is so far looked incredible. So uh, that they've quietly been just taking games and, and moving forward. I don't know if they're going to necessarily, they're capable of surprising people. I think that's where I would put West Virginia. They're, beyond that, I don't think I'm going to give, that would be offering a little bit too much credit. But as far as where they were looking at heading into the season, it's a whole, it's a whole lot better for Neil Brown. You know, I want to go ahead and let up at least a couple more people. Let's see here. Um, backseat Illini. I'll go ahead and, and, and have you up here as well, um, and we'll get to you. So Backseat Illini, what is going on with you? Good. Um, so I just decided to pop in because uh, an interesting development that happened tonight, um, Memorial Stadium in Champaign caught fire. Oh, no. Hopefully nothing serious. Um, what happened is a UTV in the horseshoe of the stadium caught fire Proceed to spread to a lawnmower, and since uh, plastic burning causes a lot of smoke, giant smoke bloom set off the fire alarms in multiple buildings, and um, not really much else apart from that. Uh, they can't really give us any updates as to whether or not the game will happen this upcoming uh, Friday, so uh, we're just going to figure it out by then. You know, I've just, I, I just took a quick glance. So far, apparently, only the uh, utility terrain vehicle w and the mower were damaged, so... That's not bad. I'm sure if there's any damage to turf, those guys are pros at, at fixing that or patching it up. They'll bring that guy from that one Big Ten. Oh, God, uh, yeah. The Ohio State-Wisconsin game, was it? Yeah. <laughs> They'll have the guy with, like, a industrial uh, patching equipment or a sewing machine go out there. But, yeah, but uh, that's – I just – thank you for giving us a, a heads up. I mean, that – I don't know if that's symbolic of where the Illini or uh, – probably Illini are feeling after that Purdue game, but – Hopefully they can get their groove back with Nebraska because Nebraska, boy, that's going to be an interesting square off to see which team is going to have at least an offer. Well, at this point, I don't know. I maybe do we completely write off Nebraska this season? Uh, I have I mean, no idea. I honestly, even with all of that out of the picture, I just think this is extremely ironic as October 4th was supposed to be the 34th anniversary of last time the turf caught fire. What? Really? Yep. It, it, so this is like an anniversary. Do they celebrate it? No, but uh, the last time that Memorial Stadium met any fire of any sort was October 4th, 1989. Man, this is, the, this is some of the best trivia I've ever heard. I did not know that, and it's great that you knew that. Um, well, hopefully, again, hopefully the game happens this weekend with Nebraska, and we'll get a better sense of which team at least can get to 3-3, three and three, and then hopefully make a play for a couple of more wins. I think both of them have plausible ways, because I think, what, you got Indiana, you got Northwestern, and then... Uh, possibility of stealing minnesota is so questionable right now it could you could down. steal iowa as well because cade mcnomer is out for the rest oh, of the season yes. that was the big that was one of the sadder news is yeah cade's out for the rest of the season so Iowa's going to be going with the, the the backup qb the sophomore um, Deacon hill yeah yeah that's brutal for them i, I feel bad for that young man and uh i don't want to yeah i'm not even going to turn that into the brian ferentz thing that just that that just stinks for that young guy so uh yeah. they're all young to me i'm in my 40s but yeah i feel bad for that so Thanks for mentioning that because that was one of those topics I actually wanted to mention only because that's a tough one for Iowa and a tough one for him. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, man. No problem. All right, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and go to TriStar and then I'll try to get to everybody. Thank you for your patience as you wait to come up. Um, so let's see here. TriStar, what's going on? What's going on? Pretty good, pretty good. It's fun. It's the middle of the season. It's always fun to talk college football. Oh, yeah, and of course, uh, my Tennessee Volunteers are on a bye week this week. And uh, I'll say this. You know, I'm starting to think that maybe Tennessee just played bad in that Florida game. Like, you know, Florida got up for it, and, you know, for some weird reason, we just can't win down there. 
and yeah, abs- absolutely. That's that's the, the thing. thing. Like, was two, it just rivalry? Yes, Hedo? and and two, a lot of people maybe they didn't pay attention was we were missing two starting offensive linemen down there. We had a guy playing center who had never played center. We had a guy playing right tackle who had never played right tackle, and Florida just took advantage of it. And now we got those guys back. And if you go back and watch the South Carolina game, Tennessee looks like a totally different team. So I'm just laughing at everybody that's written off Tennessee like, oh, they're going to go seven and five. I'm like, I'm telling you, like, for one, I'm not sold on A&M. I know that's that's who we play next in two weeks or a week and a half because, you know, they play Alabama this week. Not only am I taking Alabama to win, I'm taking them to cover because I just don't trust A&M. I mean, they've been in this situation how many times where they get all this hype because, yep. oh, they, they got high-end talent. But at some point, you got to show something. I mean, again, and here's the thing, too. I think what that showed against South Carolina is that Joe Milton does not have to go out there and beat Hennon Hooker. He doesn't go out there and, you know, he doesn't have to put the team on his back. He doesn't have to go out here and be Superman. You know, I, this might sound crazy with a Josh Heupel offense, but maybe he'll be best suited to be more of like a game manager. I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, a guy that where, you know, lean on your run game because our run game is phenomenal right now. Like, we have one of the best rushing attacks in the country right now. And our defense is playing a lot better than what it did last year. So... In the words of Paul Heyman, why not accentuate your positives and hide your negatives? If you see that Joe is having trouble, don't make him throw it 40 times a game. You know? Yeah, Jalen Wright's solid. Jalen Wright is absolutely well, uh, the, the, the best back. one is Dylan Sampson. He's the best running back. He's uh, number six. And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I still have high hopes for this season and seeing how the rest of the SEC is looking. And I know Kentucky went out there and they dominated Florida and stuff. You know, Ray Davis looked like a a beast out there. But again, that's another team. I'm not buying their hype. I'm not buying Missouri's hype because I know Missouri, they're five and oh, but the toughest team they played was Kansas state who nothing against, you know, the fine people there in Manhattan, but they're nowhere near the team what they had last year. You know, they lost, Deuce Vaughn, they lost a lot of players off that Big 12 championship team last year. And I'm not really sold on Missouri. Their defense is nowhere near as good as it was what it was last year. Like they're at the bottom of several defensive categories. And I think I'll tell you what, whatever the over is on that uh, Missouri LSU game, take the over. Yeah, that one seems like it's going to be high-powered. I want to ask you something. Since it's going to be a bye week for Tennessee, what game has got your attention? Well, probably most is uh, because it's our next two opponents is Texas A&M, Alabama. Because we, we play Texas A&M at home, and then we go to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think? Who do you think has got the edge in that uh, matchup? Well, well yeah, uh, like I said, I'm taking Alabama not just to win but to cover because, again, until I see A&M prove it to me that they can go out there and have a good offensive production game against a non, you know, ha- you know, a, a halfway good team. Because if you think about it, the best team they played so far was Miami, and Miami just destroyed them, you know. So. Yep. Yeah, that's that's exactly why now we're wondering how good is Miami and we'll know in maybe a couple of weeks when they play against North Carolina, but we're still even though we're five weeks in, it's still that mystery. Yeah, it, that, exactly. That, so know. again, people do not write off Tennessee. They're far from out of it. And the way the schedule sets up, it sets up very well. Like I said, we get A and M at home. And you think about it, like I said, how Tennessee came out and they dominated South Carolina by way a team that took Georgia to the wire just a week or two prior. You know, Spencer Rattler had been lighting everybody up and he only had 160 passing yards and no touchdowns and a pick six against what was presumed to be a bad secondary. But um, I know you can't use transit property in college football. It's all about matchups. But again, I'm, I still feel very well about my Tennessee team. I think we're going to finish strong. I think that Florida game was kind of a wake-up call. Or as my as my buddy, uh, the sports block, he's a Georgia guy, he says, maybe that was y'all's smelling salt game. 
I asked him, I said, smelling salt game. He said, yeah, like, you know, like when you're lifting heavy, you know, for any you power lifters out there, you know, when you lift heavy or something like that, you hit the smelling salts and it wakes you up. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, buy stock in Tennessee now while you while they're not being heavily viewed. I appreciate it, TriStar. Thank you. And that's interesting. And, I, and I'm really looking forward in a couple of weeks, seeing how they square up against a and Cause you're right. Yeah, absolutely. That is the rest of this. Um, the rest of this month is going to be a challenge with a and M and then at Alabama. And, and depending on how strong Kentucky continues to look, that's going to be a really good benchmark for, uh, for Tennessee. And I think you're right. I think counting them out is foolish at this point. The sec is just simply wide open. Yeah, it's I mean, absolutely wide it's, open. Both divisions, unless you're a Arkansas, a Mississippi or Vandy, state okay. or a Vanderbilt, <laughs> I, I, it, to me, it's wide open. Now, I again, yeah. I think Florida just got up for the Tennessee game because it's that whole thing, you know, they don't lose to Tennessee at home. And that was basically to save Billy Napier's ass. <laughs> yeah. Maybe good for the long run, then, if you're a Tennessee fan, yeah. uh, depending on what you think and how he's doing there. Uh, well, but, some, uh, as we like to say, Sunbelt Billy don't know what he's doing. He's in over his head. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, TriStar. It was great hearing from Absolutely. you, man. And, and, and Georgia you. Tech's in two lanes come back to the SEC. Yeah, that would be fun. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's see here. We've got – I'm going to go to Andy and then yeah, boy Ron, and I promise I'll get to, to everyone who wants to talk. I'm going to go ahead and let up Andy. You know, that one kind of – I just want to play off of that last uh, – uh, TriStar's last comment, which uh, Tulane and, and, and joking about returning Tulane and Georgia Tech to the SEC. But, you know, one of those stories that's been kind of floating around this week is rumors again heating up around the ACC. Um, there was a, a tweet by someone in that kind of ACC sphere that a Clemson senior administrator said, stay very tuned about a potential Clemson ACC departure that where they might leave and they may have found a way or an approach to, to tackle that grant of rights that has been locking the ACC into a happy marriage. Um, Florida State, for those who remember in the offseason, we're the loudest about it during because during Board of Regents meetings or trustees, again, I forget what they use at Florida State. They the president of the school, the AD, basically said, we want to get out of this conference because we're not making as much as Vanderbilt is. Um, and over the next, uh, I think it's uh, it's like third night, 2020, 2036 until I believe they get out of it. They said it's going to be like death of a thousand cuts because every year those other teams are going to be getting more money. And over time, a, a program like an FSU wouldn't be able to catch up. So it's starting to sound like Clemson and FSU. And actually, through some of the other reports, it sounds like they want to make it a play where multiple teams strengthen numbers, um, according to the Post and Career in an article on this. So it implies that it's not just Florida State, but possibly North Carolina um, and maybe a Miami or maybe a uh, hey, thanks for sharing that, TriStar. Or maybe a uh, you know Miami, or maybe um, potentially you know uh, another Virginia has been brought up. Although <laughs> this hasn't been a great season for them, and perhaps we'll see some of those departures because they were especially upset to see um, Southern Methodist, Cal, and Stanford join, and, and North Carolina's uh, went ahead and gave a public rebuke to that. So it seems to be that there may be some smoke there. People are saying. October, but it's still very rumored, and sometimes these rumors last for a long time, but I don't think it would be a shock if we see some departures from the ACC. If not this season, next year, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Part of the goal in, frankly, adding teams, the three teams they added, was the thought that it keeps them past a certain membership number if they lose teams, and that forces um, their existing media deal to stay in force because it's based on the number of teams, not which teams are in the ACC. On a lighter note, someone joked that watch Clemson and FSU leave to join the pack too. So it's like <laughs> Beavers, Cougars, Tigers, and Seminoles. I'm not sure, but um, let's see here. You know, Tracer, you wanted to add something really quick. I'll let you, cause you added that tweet to oh, the top of oh, the talk. Okay. See, basically I, I went and created in my opinion, how it should be, lined up and it makes it better for everybody and this creates a lot of good things for one 
college football is best when it's regional and you've got your rivalries and stuff like that. Because a lot of people don't realize, you know, people are just thinking of the TV and TV rights. These are still college students with college classes. I come from family that has played sports at Tennessee and, you know, has been college athletes and, you know, they've been there. And I've talked to them about this and they really like this. And it's eight conferences and you basically have an 18 playoff with your conference champions. And it's all set up based on your region, you know, like where you are in your history, like who you got history with and all that stuff. So that way it's taken that in consideration. And if you have it set up like that, then it keeps the regular season, which is what drives college football with what it is. It keeps the regular season with that vital importance to where every game matters. Not like, oh, well, you can go 9-3 and three and suck and, oh, we'll still backdoor our way in. That way you have to win your conference. And it's basically saying, like, you know, if you don't win your conference, you don't get in. And that way, so if you, say, have a, you know, a 2011 situation with Alabama LSU or countless times in the in the playoff era where a conference champion got left out, but they would put in two non-champions because, oh, well, they were the most deserving or whatever – so that way it's a very cut and dry, and that way the conferences aren't too big. And all of them except the SEC, because in my opinion, the SEC is the only one that can kind of pull it off. All of them are 10 teams. The SEC's got 12, because in my opinion, it's the only one, like I said, that can you know pull that off. And I want to get y'all's opinion on that. And like I said, just look, look at all eight of them and kind of who's in there and tell me that would not work. And thank you. Absolutely. I welcome any of you listening who are, who want to give some feedback on it. Okay, take a look at that tweet. You put it at the top and you can reply there and give them feedback on what you think. You know, Andy, you've been super patient. What's going on, man? Oh, let's see. Just got to hit unmute. If you're there, it's in the bottom left. There you go. Oh, on my end, I'm having a technical dish issue. Andy, I'm going to put you off and then I'm going to have you come right back up. I've noticed sometimes it's on my end. You're probably talking and I can't hear it. So, Andy, if you hear me, just go ahead and add yourself again and I will get you up here. And uh, all apologies. It's a, uh, that's a technical glitch on me. We had an issue with John earlier and we got him talking. So uh, let's hear. I'm going to let up Yeah Boy Ron and then I'll get to KB um, and we'll get that going. Yeah Boy Ron, what's going on? Hey, Andy, I'll let you up in a sec. Hey, what's up? Yo, how are you doing? Good. Just another day here. Talking college football, nice. love it. I just wanted to say, whoever mentioned that Illinois thing, I can't wait for that to be like Aflac trivia one day on like week eight when they give you like the real tough ones that no one knows. That's going to be a great question on there. Uh, what, what, which, which stadium was on fire briefly this? Uh... Yeah, it's like on the 34th anniversary of the last time it caught fire. This stadium caught fire again. What is it? Oh, that would be so It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just keeping it short because I haven't really been – following college football too much the past few weeks. I've been like super busy with life, but uh, Rutgers is four and one guys. We could go bowling in Indiana and Michigan state are two winnable games for us right now. And if yeah, Rutgers look, has climbed up, I agree. like we really like, I mean, we still suck. Like objectively, we're still not a good team, but compared to where we were two years ago, like we, we made some really good progress. I feel like, I feel like we like I don't dread watching our games now is the big thing. I love that because that's exactly where that's how a team builds, especially for those who've been fans of teams that continuously struggle. And this is exactly the kind of process we had the last time Shiano was there. I mean, people forget. I mean, granted, uh, Rutgers was arguably worse when he got there the first time. I, I, I remember the team that he inherited and, and how, you know, it was just a struggle to get even a win in a season. But you know, this is the this is the kind of gradual climb you see from him. I mean, I'm not saying you expect a you, you can't expect as direct a flight. It kind of will plateau and then move up and then plateau and move up. And next thing you know, you, he'll get a consistent bowl team. And this season, I mean, it seems plausible. You know, I agree. You know, Michigan State at Indiana, Iowa, unfortunately, because they they're now they yeah. lost their QB for the season. And we'll see. And, and, you know, even a team, and I'm not saying, I mean, we'll see how Maryland looks good at 5-0. and They're beating up the teams they're supposed to. But is Maryland going to be a team that just sort of 
burns if, out if, in the second if half there's of the season. Any, we're gonna see like a, of the good teams on their schedule, if we were to beat any of them, it would be Maryland, but I'm not holding my breath. Like we're not we're not beating Ohio State, we're not beating Penn State. So if we're going to beat a decent team, Wisconsin is going to be interesting this weekend. I'm actually curious to see how they how they line up against Wisconsin because the Scotties have been good, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that would be one where they could differentiate themselves rather than trying to hold themselves up against Michigan, which is a tough a tough order yeah. right there. But yeah, I'm excited, man. I feel like we like it, like this year. I feel really good about going to a bowl game. It has me excited for next year. Maybe we can go seven and five. You know, break five hundred would be massive. That would be great. Rutgers is fun when Rutgers is out there. I mean, I remember when they had that 11-win season. I, I vividly remember that. And it was just kind of – it was fun because it's – it's it, everyone likes seeing a team that doesn't typically do great, yeah. have a good season. My first college football game absolutely. was actually uh, – it was pandemonium at Piscataway when we kept Louisville out of the championship that one year. Was that 2008? Oh, I remember that game. I watched that one on TV. Yeah, that was my, that was wild. I was, I was like, what, maybe eight years old. And <laughs> I was, was it? No, I was 10. I was 10 years old that game. God, I feel like, <laughs> um, well, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. Let's see here, Andy, I'm going to let you back up. Sorry about that confusion earlier. Let's see if we can get you unmuted and we can hear you. So let's see here, Andy, when you get a chance, Hit unmute and love to talk to you. Huh, still can't hear you. Hmm. All right, I'm, we'll see what's going on there. I'm going to let up KB and we'll see what happens there. But I apologize, Andy. I'm having trouble getting, uh, I, I don't seem to be able to hear you. KB, I can hear you, KB. Yeah, sure. Uh, four undefeated matchups upcoming this week. Uh, UK, Georgia. Uh, you know, that oh, wait, Andy, we can hear you, so be patient. Whatever you did, I heard your mic come alive. So just be, be patient one second, I'll get to you, I promise. Go ahead, KB, sorry uh, so about that. So there's four undefeated matchups this week. There's Kentucky-Georgia, obviously, Red River rivalry, Maryland-OSU, and Oregon-Washington, plus a couple that'll be, you know, one undefeated team, one really difficult team with LSU-Missouri and uh, Notre Dame-Louisville. Uh, do you think there's going to be any surprises in any of those games? I mean, well, I just want to say, um, uh, Oregon, Washington is actually, I believe, the following. Oh, is it? I think they, they, oh, okay, yeah. never but mind. All of that said, I mean, there's potential for some upsets. I am, Georgia feels like it's playing a little bit too close yeah, to its especially opponents. Auburn. That yeah, and so there is i've heard some analysis that kentucky seems to be designed to take advantage of of a of a team the way georgia looks now and of course georgia could very well turn on a dime and do the alabama yeah, thing and also, alabama seems to have suddenly become crazier week after week it's also in athens so that texas yeah so i mean i'm hesitant maybe if we were in lexington i would exactly give kentucky more of an edge but i'm curious to see that one but i'm still leaning towards georgia because i mean good teams win and you know they'll have a guy like a brock powers who just lights everything on fire and wins the game i mean so it, it is still georgia and i i give them some credit there you know with it, it, some of these other games i'm not sure which one i would go with i mean maryland at ohio state i it's at ohio state i know maryland's looked pretty solid but i'd it, love for the for the terps to win but I can't see it you know, It's there. so funny, too. We've got a couple of these games where if, if the if at least one of the underdogs wins, it's going to just turn into, like, people are going to go bonkers for that team. So they're, they're, the potential's out there. And, yeah, Louisville and, and Notre Dame. Oh, my goodness. So Louisville, it's hard to, it's hard to peg them. I was they, – yeah, they're where they at, they're at, but that we had a reporter at their game at North Carolina State, and it was just closer than, I think – we were expecting that. I, I mean, now that at least they've broken into the top 25, because at first I was I was curious about them. But then as the weeks have progressed, that opening week close victory versus Georgia Tech looks miserable because Georgia Tech looks just absolute garbage. And then, you know, OK, you get a touchdown win against Indiana again. You know, Indiana's ended up being terrible. And in Boston College, sure, they put a scare in Florida State. But I mean, they just haven't really played anybody And Notre Dame. Clearly is at least, you know, even in a loss played really well um, and, and then took care of Duke in a, an interesting matchup last weekend. I mean, if they so, knew how to count. 
Yeah, they did. Suddenly, <laughs> amazing how it was a teachable moment. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at this point, yeah, it's it's I don't ex if Louisville manages to to beat Notre Dame. I mean, granted, it's at home, so that helps. That would be strong. But, yeah, I, exactly. We've got these matchups and I'm just not sure that Washington, Oregon game, when it does get played, that one's going to be particularly interesting because that one certainly is going to um is going to do a lot and that's on the 14th. So that that also okay. that same yeah. weekend we're getting uh, Miami Do and they North both Carolina. Have a bye? Oregon has a bye and I'm trying to remember I was if, looking at yeah, I was looking at the NCA website and it Yeah, they both have buys. Yeah. It's great. They literally both teams have buys for what should be I mean, I would not be sure. I mean, that seems to be primed for game day. You're going to have two yeah, undefeated I mean, awesome. teams, top 10 and game day can go to go to Seattle. Oh my goodness, that'll be fun. Um, just hopefully a regular doesn't... Big Ten conference game. Oh, not only that, could you imagine the because uh, Seattle has Wazoo fans? They are going to be there. Their apps, if they do that, that would maybe be the one thing they'd hesitate. The Wazoo fans are going to apps because they're one of my favorite rivalries this season has apparently been this new one between Pat McAfee and Wazoo. I never thought that would be a rivalry, but it apparently exists because I I'm not sure what Pat's trying to do here. I'm not sure if they're feeding him things like. Or maybe he's listening to side conversations behind the scenes where they're getting annoyed that Wazoo keeps, you know, and Jake Dicker keeps blaming um, ESPN, which is partially to blame. I'm not saying that they're scot-free here, but it seems like Pat just like heard that stuff and decided, oh, I could just say it out loud. And and it, it's, it's it, there's a back and forth there. It keeps going on. So, yeah, if, if Game Day ends up in Washington for that game, uh, that is going to be a crowd to watch. That is absolutely. I think it kind of has to. Like, yeah. Yeah, there aren't many. I mean, if they pick North Carolina with Miami, that means they're they're trying to avoid it in my mind because the bigger yeah. game is going. It's I mean, we know for a fact those teams are going to go in undefeated because they have no game this week. So that would that would be a compelling one to see. Um, but those two games next week are the ones I'm more interested in because they feel like there's more. There are two teams that really have a have a, if not equals. There's certainly two teams that are more curious because I think. Again, North Carolina and Miami and, and uh, Washington, Oregon, those two games next the following week are going to be a little more compelling than these undefeateds this week because they feel like what we got just this past weekend with, uh, with Texas and uh, Kansas. And, of course, the Red River rivalry this weekend. Sorry, that, one, that one's going to definitely put one team in the pole position to win it out feels, and, and get that. Hmm? It feels kind of like that one's just all Texas, though, just looking at – I've watched enough of those playing. games to know that if I say that, you're just going to watch <laughs> some wildly unexpected results. I mean, yes, Oklahoma's, you know, uh, you know, Gifford was out last season for the Red River rivalry, but no one expected a shutout. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be 49 nothing just from one player. Yeah, so I think I, I, I agree. I, Texas seems to be favored, but I am not going to be foolish enough to call that a guarantee. Not in that game. Those those two teams are going to be. First of all, it's going to be entertaining. It should be more. Well, certainly more than last season. But um, but yeah, this should be that that this is actually a really compelling one, and we're going to learn a lot. And Texas, I mean, Oklahoma is the one that needs to prove itself more. Texas, I mean, that game against Alabama each each week seems stronger, but it'll be really interesting to see how Oklahoma does. And I think. Oklahoma fans in general should be happy, at least with Brett Venables this season. I mean, it, this is looking good. I mean, last season feels more like an aberration with how abrupt that changeover was and him having to come in after Lincoln bolted and took some of the best uh, offensive tools out of the cupboard. But now, now OU is starting to look like OU. And I'm really curious to see how they line up against Texas. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. Let's see here. Uh, Andy, you've been super patient. I, I heard you got that mute issue to work. So what, go ahead and unmute. Love to hear from you. All right. Sorry about that. I no, it happens. Don't worry about it. Um, Say, we, we literally have had guests come up and it's really awkward when they don't know you have to use your phone. I still remember we had someone and it was, it was the guy was big enough that we had to go through his people and uh, yeah. his people forgot to tell him he had to be on a phone. So we figured out that he was listening on his computer and trying to unmute and couldn't figure out how to join. And it was we literally were like not hearing and we were just saying out the instructions. We're like, OK, yeah. if you can hear us, you got to load it up on the Twitter app on your phone and then you got to yeah. hit request. So things happen. But what's going on, Andy? What's right. on your mind? Now, the whole uh, you'd think you'd be able to use it on your laptop or computer. You um, would. You know, I talked to a developer at 
because Reddit tried to make a version of this, and that's the whole reason we started yeah. these talks. They were originally on Reddit. And then we weren't happy with how unstable it was, so we, we decided, well, they're taking Twitter's idea. What, we have a Twitter account. Why don't we put it on here? But talking to the Reddit devs, and that was interesting because you know, the devs are the ones that do all this. They like apps because it's stable. They know exactly what they're getting. You can design something not to be flexible to every, you know, to Google Chrome or Safari or Microsoft Edge or, you know, uh, Firefox if people still use it. So it, 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 yeah. the app thing is more stable in the sense that they, they can plan for it more. But I wish right. they would connect it to the laptop. I mean, they can do it. It certainly can be done. Yeah. And, and Reddit even eventually worked it out. Yeah, you're right. It's they just don't want to deal with the issues and have a blame them. Um, so what I was gonna talk about was Wazoo and OSU possibly getting an auto bid for the playoff. Oh, you mean it's, next season? Yeah, when we get. You know, I'm starting to feel that's not going to – I mean, I don't think that's going to happen for, for some reasons. It seems like from what I heard, um, I believe it was Mike Oresco, uh, the American, uh, went along with this idea that – that's because the, the question is what do you do with, with the original – because as soon as the Pac-12 broke apart, we were going to be heading into next season and the season after that with this 12-team playoff. And it was already planned as an initial two years, see how they go and move from there. Um and it was going to be six plus six, the six top conference champions, which implicitly means the P5 and the top finisher among the G5, and then six auto bids. So the question once the Pac-12 imploded was what what do we do uh, what do we do next? And so there were two schools of thought that had been most popular. The the SEC floated twelve at large teams, which didn't go far because that immediately got the pushback from uh, the G5 programs, but it seems to be, and, and this is where uh, mentioning Mike Oresco comes in, uh, there seems to be a good support for what's called now the 5 plus 7 model, where it's going to be the four surviving uh, uh, P P4, or however you want to call it, the, uh, the big two and the other two, um, Big 10, SEC, ACC, and Big 12, plus one of the remaining champs, and then seven at-large teams. It's going to be interesting. I think we're still going to see a resolution. We still need some further resolution. There's no way the Pac-2 can survive just as two teams. It's just it's not it's not practical. Um, wh whether they backfill or do a reverse merger or whatever you want to throw at it, um, it's going to probably end up qualifying as what we used to call a G5, whatever we're going to call it in the future. So I'm not sure it, it, realistically that it's going to it's fun to imagine though if somehow the pac 12 figures out they hire the like a lawyer that works out like no for the next couple of years you gotta let us in our winner in but um practically speaking it's going to be a question now again a, a wild scenario that popped in my head not even that wild reading about what was going on uh this week with clemson uh making some uh some rumors coming out of clemson that they are truly getting ready to depart the acc along with Florida State, and potentially North Carolina and the strength in numbers approach would mean suddenly the ACC needs a couple of more teams and having just let in Stanford and Cal, suddenly you got two teams out West that would be travel partners and you're trying to backfill with some decent enough quality without necessarily jumping to a G5 program, uh, although SMU certainly was the ideal one because they were willing to basically just forego money um, and and tap into that famous cash register of theirs uh, for something different than a Trans Am. But um, that might be something that ends up happening. I could see that being a, that idea of a, of a, I don't want to call it a happy ending, but kind of a surprise ending to that saga has, has now popped in my head. Because if you have Clemson and, and uh, for, uh, I can't even say Fresno State, Florida State depart, then what two teams are ready and available and are the closest to being P5 programs? They are P5 programs you'd suddenly have Wazoo and Oregon State out west. So I don't know if that's where it would go, but that certainly doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility, especially after the ACC was willing to look that far west. But we'll see. And then the Apple Cup suddenly becomes a Big Ten ACC matchup, <laughs> as well as the Civil War, although I know they don't like to call it that anymore. But whatever, I still call it the Civil War with the, the Ducks and the, and the Beavs. But let's see here. Um, 
I see Jason wants to join us as well. I'm going to go ahead and let you up. Thank you so much for your patience, everybody. It's great talking to you here on a wonderful Tuesday night in the middle of the season. So, Jason, what's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, man? I know you're uh, running up on time here, so I'll be quick. You you mentioned it uh, a little bit touch and go earlier about a game next week, but a question that I kind of wanted to bring, and if you brought this up already, I'm sorry. I uh, kind of bounced in late. I was asked this question today, and um, – only really one team came to mind. It's like the question that was asked to me was who is a team that absolutely no one on earth is talking about right now that could potentially break into the playoff. And why is it Miami? <laughs> I love it. Miami was the one that jumped into my head yeah. too, because their, their schedule is such that we're not going to get really a good look. I mean, in two weeks we're going to see that game with, with North Carolina. Yeah. And I think that's going to be an interesting one. And if they can win that, suddenly I think we're going to hear more of those stories about Miami. Because then the the future of their, their schedule, you're going to get some good games with, uh, well, really at the back end. Because it's Clemson. They totally missed Florida State. I didn't even, no, 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 wait. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so then you get the games at, uh, if they beat North Carolina, they play, they host Clemson, and then they're at Florida State. And we'll see if Louisville is still looking, you know, undefeated or at least close enough to be a ranked challenger. But then suddenly they come into attention. But yeah, they've been just quietly, despite being Texas A&M and granted, Texas A&M, you hear some, you know, some thoughts that Texas A&M is, is potentially one of those teams that could win the division. Um, because again, of how seemingly wide open the SEC is. Uh, if Texas A&M keeps winning that initial win, suddenly looks a lot that win that kind of got forgotten looks a lot better on Miami's resume, but yeah, they're kind of operating under the radar and I don't think they mind. Yeah, no doubt. And that a uh, couple of things about them that, you know, last year, like I, <laughs> it's funny that we've gone from last season. I bet the house on Florida state beating Miami. And it was a huge line. And my buddy was like, it's not enough. Just bet it. And they'll crush them. And they did. And here we are a year later. And I don't know that there's a team in recent memory that I feel has improved more along the lines of scrimmage than Miami. Like they physically dominated Texas A&M up front the whole game. And Tyler Van Dyke looks like 2021 Tyler Van Dyke now. Yeah, he looks great. He is actually probably one of the least talked about quarterbacks because so much of what's going on in the Pac-12 and then obviously uh, uh, Ewers at Texas. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of been a distraction but he has been he's been up there with the top quarterbacks, I think. Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, like Jaden Daniels and, and and JJ McCarthy and the folks in the other conferences as well. But really, I, I think that's and, and you know, strong quarterback plays where a great team comes out of and, and they are just looking stunning right now. And and it makes you wonder, was last year just an aberration because it was a first season, new head coach, the coordinators didn't work out, and then, you know, just it took a bit of a hiccup and boom, here we are. Well, well, I think it's just the lines of scrimmage. You know, Cristobal, I mean, you know, he's a big lineman guy. He recruited animals up there at Oregon, and that's why Lanning still has good linemen at Oregon. Because oh, absolutely. That's actually a huge point. I just want to say I love that point, but keep going. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, he, he recruits big freaks up front and gets dudes in the transfer portal who can play up front. And so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised as much as I was when I watched them play Texas a and I was like, my God, these guys are animals. You know, they're pushing people around. And here we are. I mean, North Carolina, they're not terribly dominant up front. They played really well against South Carolina. So I'm kind of sitting here wondering, like, man, Florida State may end up being really the only team that can match up with Miami up front when they play them in the ACC. So I don't know. I'm certainly not a Miami fan, but I just – it, it kind of came to my attention today that nobody, and I do mean no one, is talking about Miami. So just wanted to bring that up, and uh, thanks for having me. No, thanks, Jason. You know, and I, 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 the more I think about that connection with recruiting on the line, and especially because, yeah, Dan Lanning, and Dan Lanning's a great coach in his own right, but that was what struck everybody about what happened to Colorado a few weeks ago is they just got destroyed by that line. And that's a line that had matured because Mario Cristobal had been one of the recruit had been recruiting those guys to the team. Um, and yeah, maybe that's it because I think certainly last year there was a lot of Stradenfreud and, and people were just, you know, were not happy with Cristobal and the way he left Oregon. Um, but 
this might be the season where he shows that that he can coach and gets to the U. Because when the U gets good, they get exciting, they get funky. And goodness, if we get a real good showdown at Florida State with Miami and Florida, that'll be. I don't. I can't remember the last time. I mean, I remember when that was the game to watch or one of the games to watch of the season. But it's been a while, and I think it'll be fun for. I don't even want to say newer fans, but fans in the last however many years since both teams have looked like this is going to be a deciding game. That's going to be a fun one. That that I I I it would be neat if that happened. A lot of football would be played in between, so I'll just say that. But gosh, that would be a fun one. Um, so let's see. We've gone for about an hour. Ideally, I like to wrap after about an hour. <laughs> Last week went so long because it, it, it's funny. It takes forever to then like transfer files and get things up because we like to put this up wherever you can get podcasts in case you missed it. Um, and that, that's a bit of a process in and of itself because it isn't really naturally designed into Twitter slash X or whatever you want to call it. But before we leave, I just wanted to also just touch on a few of these other kind of highlights. Um, again, that Oregon-Washington game, which is going to be on the 14th, they've apparently been willing to move it back. I mean, it's a 3.30 Eastern kickoff, but that's 12.30 Pacific. So they're willing to take that Big Ten special. Um, and that'll keep it away from the USC Notre Dame game, which is going to be an evening. And we'll see that one could very well be interesting too. We'll see how, how those two teams do this week. And let's see here. I know we had a chance to touch on the Clemson thing. Again, going back to again, rivalries talking about Wazoo versus um, Pat McAfee, the Lou Holtz, Ryan day thing kind of keeps going on in the background. Lou Holtz, I guess he's on some obscure poll that, that I guess brings in, um, people who were, were members of the media or coaches, I'm not entirely sure, but in a, in, in a somewhat petty move, he moved Ohio State down five spots in his poll. In again, utterly meaningless in the uh, the bigger you know thing of which polls are are meaningful. It's somehow less meaningful than the coaches' poll, but it was cute. Um, again, we're seeing movement uh, with with some of the uh, the recruiting, probably with some of the um, the Heisman polls. Caleb Williams has climb to the top of most of them but the odds of winning two in a row is extremely low i think we'll see another person rise and i'm very much looking forward in that pack 12 to see Penix, bonix and and caleb williams all get a chance to square off against each other that's going to be exciting you know i see a couple of hands up before we take off i'm not in a huge rush to end this john what's going on i saw you end up first and we'll get to you yeah boy ron yeah i, I just want to mention real quick um because I think uh, tonight's a very special night because this will be the last night of no football until November 22nd. So hope the rest of y'all are ready because we have 50 uh, straight days of football coming up. That is a great point. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we're going to get Jacksonville State with, again, their new FBS with Rich Rod at the helm against Middle Tennessee. And we're going to get FIU at New Mexico State. Are these Saturday-level games? No. But are they Wednesday-level games? You bet. It's, again, the glory. And this is because Conference USA's when their new media deal agreed, they're going to play Wednesday night games. So that's going to free us up some Wednesday night football. Thursday night, we've got Sam Houston at Liberty. Liberty's got the easiest schedule in America by an order of magnitude. So don't be surprised if they go undefeated and we start to hear Liberty fans talking about it. But literally, they are the 133 out of 133-ranked schedule. That was preseason. And it looks like that may have been a little bit strong because some of their opponents have just been miserable um, as the season has progressed. And we're going to get Western Kentucky at La Tech. What's up, yeah, boy, Ron? Yeah, so what's actually going on between Lou Holtz and Ryan Day? I've been out of the loop for like three weeks, and all of a sudden oh I see like I see so many people talking about this. And oh. I can't tell if it's serious or if it's a joke. Oh, no, it, it's serious. And Ryan Day definitely made it serious. I'll, I'll do my best to just summarize it objectively. So Ryan Day, apparently earlier in the week, I forgot what show it was on. Um, it was on some minor, you know, it, w- it was a TV show. Uh, at least it was recorded. Lou Holtz basically did the classic Ohio State is not a physical team and watch how they got pushed around by Michigan the last two years, yada, yada, yada. And Ryan Day, and I'm going to, I do listen to various analysis of this. I agree with the thought that Ryan Day decided all he could remember was Lou Holtz saying that. And it's a it's a criticism that he clearly does not like, and it takes strong offense at it. And he cut, I mean, right after that tight win against Notre Dame, 
he cut what felt like a wrestling promo during the the uh, during the on field interview, saying, you know, Lou Holtz, you know, <laughs> I'll challenge, I'll challenge you. But he was basically calling out Lou Holtz for saying that they're not a physical team. And then because of the broadcast rights, most TV networks couldn't use that clip. And he was asked again. So you tend to see the clip from the press conference because he was asked about it. And so during the press conference, he kind of he uh, he elaborated that he was just annoyed that that Ohio State was being called that over the years. And certainly Ohio State showed that they could be physical against Notre Dame. But then uh, Lou Holtz decided, I'm not going to back down at this. So he kind of doubled down. And then you get to game day. The game day crew defend their old friend from ESPN because some of those guys had either called games with him. Or, you know, there's sort of a, 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 a some camaraderie between those guys who've, who've somehow remained employed. I'm not saying that they deserve to be fired, but ESPN certainly laid off quite a few folks. So, again, it, this tension keeps going on. And then, again, so we get that petty the decision by Lou Holtz to drop Ohio State. And, again, in a meaningless poll here, we're not talking about a poll that's AP or, or anything that will actually have some kind of um, consequence in where teams go. And, you know, meanwhile, I think Ryan Day's mostly moved on. He had a kind of an awkward quote this past week. The most romantic thing I've done for my wife in the last few months is beat Notre Dame last Saturday night, which makes you kind of wonder. But, you know, I, I get it. It's a busy lifestyle being an FBS coach. It's 24-7 football. So, you know, it's tough bro, on that. That's weird. That's weird, it, bro. What the that's one of those things you say to your friends and they laugh and you say it in public and it lands kind of funny. I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there because when I heard him, when I heard that quote, it reminds me of some of the the great quotes of great Brett Bimala, uh, uh, you know, where you kind of like, did he just say that for real? You know, sometimes, you know, these guys are paid to be head coaches. They're paid to be leaders of men. And, you know, all of these things, they're not necessarily paid to be quote machines that are smooth at every particular topic. Not everyone's Steve Spurrier, you know, uh, or so, somewhat related. You, there's that one coach. I forget his name out. He's, he's retired now. At like some FCS school, and he would just always say the most out of pocket shit during the inter during like the interviews on his way to the tunnel at halftime. I just I can find the video for you guys. It's one of the funniest things ever. Share that with me versus DM, and I'd love to share that. That would be great. Or just yeah. if you find it, tack it on as a reply to this, and so people can come back and check it out. But yeah, I will. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. This is RCFB Talk 160. Thank you all for listening. It's always great hearing from you. It's exciting world in college football. We've got another good week coming up. This October is going to be awesome, as it always is. So my name is Bob Ekhayeri. On behalf of all of us, I'm going to hang up and listen. <laughs>